it was just very big, you know, for me going from Eastern Illinois to, you know, the Dallas Cowboys. That's the familiar voice of Cowboys quarterback Tony Romo, who was raised in Burlington, Wisconsin in the 1980s by two loving, kind parents who had simple philosophies about love and life, work hard and lean on your faith. My father was a man who had an eighth grade education in Mexico and came to the United States and became a business owner, became a pilot, mm. uh, became a radio announcer on an eighth grade Mexican education. That voice that sounds a lot like Tony's is Romero Romo, his father, and Romero's talking about his dad, Romero Sr., who came to the U.S. with his wife, Felicita, as immigrants and immediately appreciated all the United States had to offer. You can have success here, Romero Sr. would say. If you don't get a job or an education, it's only because you didn't want one. I've been lucky enough to meet Romero Romo, Tony's dad, and his mom, Joan, and they are as lovely a couple as you will find. And Romero filled me in on his only son, Tony. He was born at uh, Balboa Hospital in San Diego. Six months later, I was gone, you know what I mean? And Joan, uh, my wife, God bless her, held the fort down until I got back, you know? <laughs> Antonio Romero Romo. Tony was born a Navy brat. His father was stationed at the San Diego U.S. Naval Base, where he learned to be a medic, as he told me, the best way to help his fellow servicemen. Two years later, the Romos were back in Wisconsin, and Joan was doing a job that worked out just great for Tony. 82, we were, we were back in uh, Wisconsin. She had a job. She was a concession manager at a, a local golf course, which was about six blocks away from our house. And in the mornings, Tony would get up at 6 a.m. right with Joan and, and go to that golf course and play quick nine uh, before the bus would pick him up out in front of the golf course and uh, take him to school. Even at five or six years old, Tony was a go, go, go kid. And let's be honest, getting in a quick nine before school started was a pretty great way to start your day. And now you have some understanding about this issue he has still with golf. Joan and I wanted to make sure that he was busy all the time because he was, he had a lot of energy. My wife quite frequently tells us, uh, you know, if he was the firstborn, uh, there may have been no more children after him, but he was the last one and uh, he kept us, uh, he kept us on our toes. And uh, so we made sure that he was busy. He had a ball in his hand or, or something to do at all times in order to uh, uh, stay out of trouble. You know, when you're a kid, you're just, for me, it was just, I just wanted to play sports and you know, try not to get in trouble where dad's yelling at me every night to do things the right way, so. Tony has two older sisters, Jocelyn and Danielle. He was the final child and he was a handful. We've heard that hard work was the norm for the Romo family through the decades. How did young Tony fare when it came to working? I had, you know, I had some jobs that I did, you know, and he, he'd come and help me, a little roofing job, little uh, insulating job, little uh, drywall work, rip it up flooring. Being in Burlington, Wisconsin, you didn't need a lot. I mean, I was the kid. I, did, I didn't even know that we had money or didn't. I think many of us growing up in the 70s and the 80s felt that way. A ball and a bat and a hoop and a buddy, you were good to go. But I don't think I got an answer as to Tony's willingness or talent at helping Romero be a carpenter. And my wife and I looked at us and I said, I hope he becomes a professional at something because in this line of work, he's going to starve to death. Aha, the go-go kid was not all that enamored with flooring and roofing. Finally, something we know he's not good at. 
let's just say in construction, he wasn't the most motivated person in the world. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Now, we all know that he shined as the quarterback in Dallas, but it didn't start out that way. He was a golfer, a tennis dude, and a gifted basketball player, right? Didn't those things come way ahead of football for him, Romero? Yes, he was a better basketball player than a football player. Now, most definitely he was a better, better basketball player because he had spent more time during his life playing basketball. Football really wasn't a part of his life until, you know, high school. Being that only male, well, golf and basketball you can do by yourself, but football was also there, as is often the case with the best athlete in a small town and a small school. The coaches for all sports will find you, and the best basketball player certainly can fit in with the football team. And what position would he play? My quarterback, of course. And it came easily to Tony, who shared with me that several times in high school, he almost quit football because it hurt too much every time he got sacked. He didn't really begin to be the starting quarterback until his junior year at Burlington High, and it wasn't until his senior year that he really shined, winning all-county and all-state honors, but he was still better known locally as a basketball star because that same senior year he grabbed 24 points a game, nine rebounds, and handed out five assists for the Hoops team and was runner-up in the state of Wisconsin for Mr. Basketball. So if you're going to play a college sport, which one's it going to be? He went to his dad and his mom for help. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. In his senior year, he came to us and was wanting our opinion as to how he could continue his athletic career in college. So we we had we had a, we had a sit down, a little powwow. And I told him, I said, you know, in my opinion, you're gonna get a scholarship in football, but you're not going to get a scholarship in basketball. You're going to have to, if you want a scholarship in basketball, you're going to have to walk on somewhere 
At six foot three inches tall, Tony dominated the basketball court in high school. He played big, he scored, he rebounded, and he just dominated. But he wasn't a point guard, he was a scorer, a small forward type. And at his height, he'd be a very small, small forward in a big college program. Nope, if being a star in his chosen sport was to continue in the college level, it would have to be in football. He had a pretty good arm. Yeah. And then his ability uh, to see what was going on was uncanny. And to make, uh, to be able to process information as quickly as he, as he did uh, was, that was just a God-given talent. You know, I mean, that's just, not too many people have that, you know what I mean? The very first time I, I saw him live was at a basketball game. He's great anticipation, sees things, and you could just, you could see him, and it is so apparent on the basketball court. The guy would break to the basket, the ball is already out of Tony's hands and would hit the guy for an easy layup. That new voice is the man who got Tony to Eastern Illinois to play football. Roy Whitkey was an assistant coach and a scout that worked for head coach Bob Spoo, and he had gotten some tips that he needed to go see this kid Romo in Burlington. His dad Romero told us Tony had the ability to see what was in front of him and react to it faster than anyone else. It worked on the basketball court, but it would really make you special as a quarterback on the football field. So Eastern Illinois was interested in Tony the basketball player to potentially play football for them. But here's something I didn't know. Other big time college football programs showed interest in Tony. One of the things that I regret not doing, we had an invite to, to a Notre Dame football camp and Tony had prom and you know, he, we just, okay son, go to prom. <laughs> Excuse me, a possible shot at impressing Notre Dame football coach Bob Davey. You could have worn the Golden Dome and you had prom. She must have been really pretty. What else, Romero? Army came to the house. They wanted him to play tight end, which, I mean, we had to stop and think about that for five minutes because, I mean, Army is, you know, you're set, you know, once, once you get out of there, you know, all day long. But he didn't want to be a tight end, so. As parents, I bet that one was tough to let go because you know your son will have a career for life when he finishes quarterbacking the cadets of Army. And then Eastern Illinois came in with Roy and with Coach Spoo and their pro-style system. We brought Tony and his parents down for a visit. And we, we just went down there and it kind of just felt like home. I remember talking to Coach Spoo after dinner and he, he wasn't sold on Tony. We ended up offering Tony uh, room and board, which was a Little, little, just a little bit under half of a full scholarship. We'll give you a 3-8 scholarship. One of the smartest things we ever did. And Roy was very honest with us when he was at the house. He said, uh, we have this other kid that we actually want him to be our starter going forward, but we're going to bring you in anyway. Now it's starting to make more sense why Tony wasn't afraid of the depth chart of quarterbacks in Dallas when he chose to come here. He had seen this scenario before at Eastern Illinois with the Panthers. Welcome to the team, kid. You're not the guy. And then there was a problem when he first gets to Eastern Illinois his first year because he doesn't really know how to work at his craft of becoming a big-time college quarterback. You, you, you rewind and go back to Burlington High School. He was the best golfer, mm -hmm. the best basketball player, best football player, 
and probably would have been the best baseball player. He was the best at all of it. I don't think he really understood how to prepare and how to compete because he never really had to. Coach Rue wanted to move him to tight end. There's that tight end thing again, and now the head coach is doubting him completely as a quarterback. And I'm not sure exactly when the, the light went on. After the first year of being down there, Tony came home and worked during the summer. You know, he, he did all his chores and stuff and, and had a job and, and did that. And then when time came to report back for training camp for, for college, uh, Coach Spook came up to him and said, you know, we really need a tight end. Would you consider playing tight end for us instead of quarterback? He actually told Coach Spook, he says, Coach, give me one more year. If I don't pan out, then I'll, I'll do as you ask. And bang, that light that Roy Whitkey's talking about, it's on now. You can't be the leader of your team from the tight end position. And Tony's brain told him he was supposed to lead. He had that great vision on the basketball court, and the same thing worked on the football field, too. If he's going to be the quarterback, it's time to go get his spot. This is all new to him. So he had to get better at his craft. He found that getting better at his craft kept him safer. That's really what it is. And we had that conversation. That finally sank into him where, okay, yeah, so I got to run the offense and people have to be where they have to be or I'm going to have to eat this and I might get hurt. You might get hurt and you might not play. So back to basketball for a minute. One man on a court can dominate a game. Tony did it in high school. And look at the NBA. It happens every night, but not in football. It takes the entire 11 men on offense to work in tandem for a team to be good. The light is definitely now on. He put his nose to the grindstone there and figured out ways to get better and figured out how to read systems, how to read defense, how to do this. In the tape room, in the weight room, you know, throwing balls every day. I mean, it was, it was quite uh, uh, miraculous, the jump he'd made from when he was a freshman to now he's a you know, sophomore. When he started putting two and two together, then it was like, oh, now it's magic. From a freshman who's a non-factor to a sophomore who got challenged and rose up like a phoenix. By the end of his sophomore year at Eastern Illinois, Tony led Division 2A in passing efficiency, yards, and touchdowns with 27, and he was the Ohio Valley Conference Player of the Year. But the team didn't have a great year. School's out. Tony does not come home to work. He says, Dad, I think I'm going to stay here during the whole summer, and I'm going to start working on my game so I can be ready for training camp when came back. That work ethic that was consistent in two generations of Romo families was now blossoming in a third. Tony now had the bug to be a great quarterback, and he was now obsessive with the work. And he knew his motion, and he knew his abilities better than anyone. He came to meetings on a Wednesday and said, hey coach, watch me today. He said, I think I've got it figured out. He said, I know I'm gonna be able to put a much better spiral on the ball and keep it nice and tight. So what have you done? He said, I've moved my index finger a quarter inch on the ball. And I'm thinking, wait a minute now, you, you, you can tell me that you know exactly what a quarter inch was, but lo and behold, he went out and he was he's throwing a tighter spiral. 
You know, after maybe year two of Tony starting in Dallas, he and I talked about what he was going to work on in the offseason, and it was just that intricate. He was going to raise his arm angle a degree or two so he could make a certain throw on a key pattern better because he needed that in the NFL. So by the end of his career at Eastern Illinois, Tony Romo had been three-time Ohio Valley Player of the Year, and he had won the Walter Payton Award for being the best Division IIA player in the country. Certainly, somebody in the NFL was going to take notice, and they did. Among them were the Dallas Cowboys. Here's former Cowboy regional scout Jim Hess. It was known to Sean Payton what round he wanted him in, and we decided to put him in the fifth round. So the man who would be calling the offensive plays for the Dallas Cowboys in 2003, Sean Payton, knew about Romo. And the scouting director in that area, Jim Hess, knew about Romo. But not for the reasons you might think. Sean Payton knew about Tony because Sean Payton also went to Eastern Illinois. And Romo was breaking all of his passing records. Jim Hess knew about Romo because of a chance meeting at the NFL Combine that Romo was not officially invited to. Oh, and by the way, it didn't matter what round these two had marked him for for the Cowboys. If it wasn't the first round, Tony wasn't going to be paying attention to the draft anyway. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. Before you can park yourself in front of the game, park yourself in a John Deere and power through your chores. Our Land Run package is a 1025R, 25-horsepower tractor with a loader, rotary cutter, and a box blade for $229 a month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. So don't miss another kickoff. Visit unitedagandturf.com. Offer ends February 1st, 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now let's get to work. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. I stopped watching after the first round as far as, like, the cowboys. Got him up on the board in the fifth round. I'm not sure anybody else in the building knew who he was. Tony did appreciate that his new friend Jim Hess didn't let the Cowboys give up on him. You know, these scouts go in and they have to sell Jerry, the head coach, the quarterback coach, you know, the coordinator on a quarterback or somebody like that from a small school because they study so many guys, they're looking at the, you know, the top level players. And I think Jim was literally the guy who really wanted to get me across to them and be like, I think this kid could be really, really good. And I mean really good. 
And I don't know that many people really saw that at the time. Back to my point earlier about Jim Hess meeting Tony at the NFL Combine that he wasn't invited to. He was just there to be a practice thrower to the top college wide receivers and tight ends. It was more akin to a quick part-time job than an NFL tryout. But a chance conversation in the halls between Tony and Jim Hess changed everything. It was time in 10 yard dashes. When that was over, you had a lot of time in between. So I'd wander around on the uh, floor of the stadium in Indianapolis and I got to talking to Tony. Asked him what he was doing, you know, so forth. He wasn't even a guy that came to the combine as a combine guy. Tony was at the combine doing work, period, along with a couple other guys who could apparently throw a little bit. There were three of them. They threw so much that the other two quarterbacks went home. I said, you going home too, like the rest of them? No, I'm staying, I'm here, I'm gonna stay the whole thing. Just don't your arm hurt? No, I'm fine, I feel real good about it. So we got, you know, got a, a kind of a friendship going there with him. So Tony's diligence at the NFL Combine that he was nothing more than a part-time worker at got him graded into the fifth round of the draft by his new friend Jim Hess and his fellow alum, Sean Payton. Only it didn't help because nobody drafted him, including the Cowboys. We didn't get him drafted. I made a call after every round past the third round to Tony, but we didn't get him. So Tony Roma has friends in the Cowboys organization, but that still didn't get him drafted. However, NFL teams were calling right after the draft to offer him a small contract as an undrafted college free agent. Included on that list were the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys were offering me 10. Denver was hot on him too. I think the Broncos were around 15 or 20. And really there was three teams. The Cardinals had offered me the most money. Oh, they were like 30, I want to say, you know, something crazy that's not even real money. It's like I'm set for life if I, <laughs> if I take this. If you're on that list of players who teams considered in the draft but didn't take, then after the draft, things happen quickly, especially for quarterbacks that have that little something. So Dallas, Arizona, and Denver all have offers on the table in front of Tony. And he came for Dallas with less money, and I think it's probably because of Sean, them from the same college, and I'm sure Sean had talked to him a lot on the phone, and I know I had talked to him a lot on the phone. I didn't care about the money. I mean, it's like, it's a lot of money to you as a college student when you're getting $25,000, dollars $40,000. Arizona's there, Denver's there, and the Cowboys are there. I end up choosing the Cowboys when I'm talking to Mike Shanahan, Bill Parcells. It's real now. Money's on the table and Tony's on the phone getting the full court press from Mike Shanahan in Denver and the big tuna here in Dallas. But Jim Hess said he thought Sean Payton swayed your decision. What really made you decide on Dallas, Tony? It was a, it was a big decision, your life decision in a lot of ways where you're going to go. And I remember just uh, feeling, you know, like the right play was, was Dallas. It had to have been when Tony surveyed what he deemed to be the competition on the roster of the Cowboys. He felt like he had the best chance to end up playing quarterback here in Dallas, right? Quincy and Chad Hutchinson, he's a baseball player. That happens, bam, I choose Dallas, I get on a plane a week later, I land, I get on this shuttle bus to go to the whatever place suites, and Jason Witten gets on this bus 
on the exact same time because we're coming in for a rookie mini camp that weekend. And he kind of sits, literally sits down right next to me. And he's so big and everything, you're like, this guy obviously plays football or something. A bus with 30 seats and big Jason Witten sits down right next to Tony. Back to that part where Tony didn't watch the draft after round one was over because he's got no idea who this man is that sat next to him on an empty bus. And as he sits there, he's like uh, sitting down. He's like, hey. He's like, hey. I'm like, uh, play football. I'm assuming you play football, right? You know, we were on that shuttle bus, and, uh, you know, I, I, we were the only two on the bus. He's like, yeah. He's like, uh, yeah, I, I play football. I'm like, oh, what position? And he's like, tight end. I asked him, I said, you here for the camp, for the Cowboys camp? Yeah, I'm undrafted quarterback out of Eastern Illinois. And uh, he said, what about you? You get drafted then with Dallas? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm a free agent, so I'm coming down the same thing. He's like, oh. And that's when I asked him, <laughs> what college, or so what college, what position? And he's like, tight end, Tennessee. Now, Witten, if you asked him, he'd tell you the story. He's thinking at that time, he's like, I was a third round pick. You probably should have known who it was, but. How's this kid not know who I am? You know, I played football at Tennessee. And he's like, he's thinking in his brain, he's like, I'm the third round pick of the Dallas Cowboys. How the hell do you not know who I am? You know, kind of thing. He's like, I played every week on CBS. Did you not watch any of these games and everything? Which I didn't. But he's sitting there thinking that. And he's like, you're nobody. You don't, you can't, why? I can't even believe you're here. But <laughs> and no. you won't be here long. Yeah, and that's obviously what everybody thinks at the time. It's so cool. Immediately, you see the personality differences between these two. Romo is a cowboy, and he just met his Hall of Fame tight end to be, and he had no idea who he was. But a friendship and an all-time quarterback tight end connection is about to blossom. Next up, part two of the Tony Romo story will be called Romo to Witten Touchdown. And it will be right here for you very soon on A Cowboy Life, the podcast.